Welcome to season two of the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, Charlene Light, and this season I am taking you on the biggest adventure of my life. I'm moving to Paris. I am a fearless coach and a soul guide here to inspire you as I navigate all things spiritual in the greatest city in the world, the City of Lights, Paris. After spending a year going after my fears at 40, I learned that everything we truly desire is on the other side of our fear. We came here as souls not to achieve something, but to become something. So let's begin. Well, hello there. Welcome, welcome to season two of the Fearless Lady podcast. I am so excited to be returning. I have some incredible news. I'm just literally, I just found out on Monday, actually, yeah, on Monday, officially, officially, as I've been approved, I'm moving to Paris. Woohoo! Cue the Parisian music. <laughs> Oh, I am just so thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. If you have been listening since last season, you'll know that I started my fearless journey in Paris by booking a solo trip to Paris for my 40th birthday. So it's no kind of surprise, or maybe it is to some of you, that I am going to be moving to Paris. So I wanted to start off this season by sharing because there's so many lessons that I learned and I've been through so much kind of getting to this point where I went through the entire process, booked my visa appointment, got my paperwork together, and literally I'm doing the thing that I have been wanting to do for six years, right? Six years ago, I started this fearless journey. And when I went to Paris at 40, um, I just felt immediately like I can live here. And it became this place for me that felt so dreamy, like almost, I want to move there. I just don't know how I can. So I'm just going to put it up there on the shelf. Like one day, someday, maybe I'll be able to move here. And, you know, throughout the years, I would just kind of play around with like going there for like a week at a time for my birthday. I went, I think at 42. And then I went back when I did a retreat to Morocco, I stopped um, for a week after. And then recently I decided to go for a full month. I went in September because um, I wanted to try it out and see how it would feel if I really um, stayed there for a good amount of time. So I want to back up a little bit and just share kind of what it took for me to get to this point, because I don't know about you, but when I hear people making these big decisions, I'm always like, well, how did you do it? Like, what are all the steps that it took to get you there? And it really took so much inner work for me to get to this place where I can literally say, I'm moving to Paris for a year, March 1st, 2022. It's happening. I've told my family, I'm selling my car. I'm I'm giving up my apartment. I'm selling everything and I'm doing it. And I don't speak French, but I want to learn. I mean, even just hearing myself say it, I'm still kind of like, I think I'm, I'm not sure that I fully believe it yet until... (laughs) It's really going to happen until I'm on the plane, you know? So I want to back up. I I wanted to to kind of share with you three major chapters that it took for me to get here. Number one, I moved back to LA from New York after spending 13 years um, in New York City. I decided to move back three years ago. Number two, I want to share 
this other important lesson, which is how much I was hiding my finances and how that really affected, you know, where we are hiding in one area of our life. We're actually hiding in all area of, areas of our life. Like the universe doesn't believe in categories. Wherever you're feeling shame, wherever you feel like you're not being your full self, it's actually holding you back from your best and your highest potential, right? And then the, the third and most important aspect of this journey was really about stepping deeply, deeply into so many of my fears. The first and foremost, like, how am I going to survive? I'm going to be far away in a foreign country. I've never done anything like this before in my life. I don't speak the language. I'm going to have to learn. And then also I'm growing my business, you know? So I want to start with Number one, me moving back to LA three years ago. So it was a big decision to leave New York. If you are a New Yorker, if you've lived in New York for a length of amount of time, you understand it's one of those cities that it kind of like, you have this certain pride about it, right? It's like if you've, if you've made it past 10 years, you feel like, all right, I'm either going to stay here forever or, I mean, I don't know. I think I just thought... One day I would get married and maybe I'd move away from the city, but I would still stay on the East Coast. I really always loved New York City. Um, I still do. But what I didn't love was my life there. I started to outgrow the way I was living there, which was I had a roommate. Um, I didn't love the fact that I was running around teaching yoga classes. I felt like I was getting really, really tired. Um, although I love my students and I loved you know, what I had created, it felt like I was outgrowing that. And you just, you just know, you know, I started to dread getting up early in the morning if I had a class and I didn't want to feel resentful. And I didn't know how to switch careers at that point. I think I tried to apply for a couple different jobs and nothing panned out. And I was like, oh, I just don't know what else to do. And I, I remember thinking about, you know, what if I moved back to LA because, you know, my family was always like, dangling that carrot. And my father would say things like, you know, come back here and I'll buy you a condo, which he never did, but <laughs> he would always do that. Or my sister would say, you can stay with me for a while. Like they just kept implementing or implying that if I moved back home, it would be so much easier. And I would, you know, and I had my best friends here and I was like, you know, but I, I really resisted it for so long because I just don't love LA. And I remember all those feelings I had growing up and I didn't want to at that point, I didn't want to go back to that. I felt like if I was going to move back to LA, um, I would have to be forced to like look deep into all this inner child stuff that I just didn't want to deal with, at least for at that point. And I was like, you know what? Why am I so afraid? Like I know on the other side of this fear is my greatest expansion, is my healing. I ha it's like I felt a soul's calling to move back home. So I said, yes. And, uh, and it felt good. I was like, what would it feel like for me to be who I am in New York City, which was like, you know, at that point, I'm in my 40s. You know, I spent 13 years growing a business. I was really different. I became a spiritual person. I feel like I've always been, but I mean, I really became a spiritual person. And I, I just felt so different. And, you know, when you go back home, maybe once or twice a year after you've lived somewhere for a really long time, you kind of fall back into those old patterns. You become a version of yourself that is like really outdated. So I thought, what would it feel like to show up in LA as I am now, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, what would that feel like, you know? And maybe that's the whole point of this is to come back around full circle 
and really have people meet me where I am now, you know? So I knew that it was going to be challenging. I knew I was going to be triggered, but I was up for it. I was like, I am ready. Let's do it. So I moved back to LA. I stayed with my sister for about four months and it was really interesting. You know, obviously I'm very grateful that I stayed with her and her family and she's married and two kids and, but I was sleeping on the floor, you know, on a mattress. So there was a lot of feeling. And well, I will say this about that experience. I learned number one, that when we are young, we develop these coping mechanisms because we really can't process what's going on because we're young, we're still developing, right? So as a young child, I developed this really strong coping mechanism of, I just kind of became numb. Like if something was out of hand in the world or in my house, I just really kind of shut down and I was able to be really calm and I didn't really feel it. So as you can imagine, over so many years, um, all that's going to come up (laughs) as an adult where I'm going to have to start feeling things, you know? So to put it in perspective, when I was staying with my sister, things started to shift where I would notice I would feel really triggered. I would walk into her house and feel like maybe I was being ignored or maybe I wasn't, um, like things started to fall back to the way the dynamics were when we were children and I didn't like it, but I just became numb. I kind of shut down and I just kept saying to myself, it's okay, it's not personal, just get through it. Um, She's doing me a favor, I'm gonna be out soon. You know, all of these things, but I didn't feel anything until after I moved out. And so what was interesting about that experience is that I learned that so much of my childhood, I had done that. So I had stumbled upon this work, which is became kind of the, the new chapter that I was going to explore as I moved back home, which was called To Be Magnetic by Lacey Phillips. And it was all about manifestation. And at that point, I was like, I know on a conscious level, I was like, really, you know, high vibe and like really spiritual. And I was able to do certain things, but it felt like I was blocked subconsciously. Like, but I didn't know how to shift it. I didn't know those tools. You know, I can watch as many Abraham Hicks videos on YouTube as I, as I can, but I don't really understand how to implement and change my beliefs. And so this work really shows you, she takes you through these meditations, which she calls deep imaginings, where you actually learn how to reprogram your subconscious because your subconscious takes takes up 95% of your brain, which means that's what's running the show, not your conscious um, mind. So when you think about it that way, and if you look at like when I'm talking about my coping mechanism of numbing things, what the hell <laughs> is going on in my subconscious mind that I'm not able to move past a certain threshold of where I want to be relationship wise, money wise, career wise, all of these things. And so Doing that work really helped me learn how to process my feelings. And I started to really become aware of what I was doing. I had no idea that I had this coping mechanism. I knew that I escaped. I knew that I had an active imagination and that was definitely... And here's the thing about our coping mechanisms. They serve us for a really long time until they don't. (laughs) Until they don't. I say this all the time to my clients. And so I was realizing how... I was like, why don't I um, know how to stand up for myself 
or say something back to someone, especially like, you know, my sister or at that point, a friend of mine, I'm like, why can't I speak? And it's because I literally shut down. And so it takes me a while to process what, what has happened. And so that's, I bring this up because I don't think it's talked about a lot. I think a lot of people, um, I know for me would say like, why are you bringing that up now? Why didn't you bring it up at the time? It's like, because I didn't, I didn't know how, I didn't know how I felt. It's like everybody processes things differently and we can't judge others because they're not able to speak up in the moment. You know what I mean? And so when you start to get really intimate with yourself, when you start to do this inner work and you become really compassionate with yourself, you then extend that compassion with others. That's the whole reason why you do this work. Everybody is just a mirror of who you are anyway. So I'm doing all of this work. And as I said, when you are doing this deep inner work, um, it's going to affect everybody around you. And a lot of people who don't do this work, who aren't self-aware, who are very much numbing themselves, whether it's through substances or just straight up ignoring how they feel or being, you know, really bitter, it, it's going to affect your relationship. So my friend, who I've, my best friend for 35 years, it just literally fell apart. Um, because one of the things that I learned is we are all mirrors to each other. So I'm starting to look deep within my shadows and starting to deal with a lot of stuff that I didn't process. And that was really triggering to her because she didn't want to look, she did not want to heal. And that's okay. Like everybody is on their own path. And that's the other thing I learned, you know, I think before I would have probably judged Everybody who wasn't doing this work, I would have said, you're, you know, you're not as evolved as I am, you know, like in a sense of like hierarchy. And really, I have learned that every soul has come here for a very specific reason to learn very specific lessons. And I'm not here to judge anybody. I am not here to judge anybody's path. So honestly, it took me a long time to get to this place. I'm not saying that I... Well, okay, I'll just go into detail a little bit about what happened just so that, because um, you might be experiencing this if this is something that you're starting to do this inner work. I know for all of us during the pandemic, it's like we had no escape. We really had to look within. And um, so for this particular friend, um, it was a conversation that she just basically said everything that she felt that was like horrible. <laughs> like all of my shadow stuff, I guess. And the interesting thing is like, what did I do? I shut down and I didn't feel anything. So even though she's yelling and getting angry, I, I said, I get really calm and I'm, and it's kind of a superpower actually, because I was able to say in my mind, like, this isn't really her. I knew that I was triggering her and it's almost like I really was coming from my higher self because I was like, I know this isn't her. I know, I also know that this is kind of what I suspected she was feeling. So it wasn't a huge surprise. And I remember saying after she went off on her whole, you know, thing, I just said, you know, well, I'm really sad. After that, it took me a long time to process how I felt, you know, because I realized well, first I got angry at myself for not yelling back. Like, why can't I do that? Why can't I be in the moment and like yell back? And then I realized, oh, wait a second. Like, actually, 
the way I handled it was was beautiful and perfect because there's nothing about that moment that I regret. I didn't say anything hurtful. I just told her the truth. And so I bring that up because understanding how and why you do things is so valuable. So that way you're not walking around like totally asleep and just reacting to life, right? You actually are a conscious contributor. Like you can create any life that you want. And so that starts with getting really intimate with why you do things, you know, it's never the person, it's the pattern and everything is serving you, even though it doesn't look like it. Right. So you want to understand why, and then you can start to change. And then another friendship, which this was a huge surprise. Um, but the thing is, these things can happen really quick, especially in a pandemic. So the pandemic hits and I was like, okay, here's an opportunity for me to really start to go deep. So Wherever I was feeling the need to escape, I just stopped, I paused, and I wanted to feel it. I was really exploring, like, huh, this is interesting. Like, why does my mind want to fight right now? It's just my mind. Like, what am I fighting against? I was like, oh, because I don't want to feel this sadness. I don't want to feel this loneliness. So I started to pick up on how my mind would start to create the story for me to be angry instead of being sad right? Because why? Because to our ego mind, it's like, no, 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 don't feel the pain. But you know, as that saying goes, you've got to feel it to heal it. So I was always really self-aware and going, okay, I see what's happening. I'm going to start to feel this now. And um, so this other friendship was a total surprise. Um, But I felt it on an energetic level that we just were on two different paths. And I started to get really Um, it was almost like I just knew it before I wanted to admit it. (laughs) Like I had been feeling maybe for some time that we were just kind of moving in two different directions, but I didn't have like a clear reason as to why I should end this friendship. It just seemed ludicrous. Um, but what happened was I ended up having a difficult, difficult conversation with her. And I tried to say it in the most loving and graceful way that I think we're just moving in two different directions. Um, and I remember when I got off that phone, I felt horrible. Like I felt like I was a bad friend. Like, is this wrong? You know, all the things that you feel are all the things that my mind was telling me, but I felt so clear about ending this friendship. Like I just felt it like I had to. And, um, and it, but it was really hard to justify it in words. And I couldn't really even explain it to other people. I don't think others would understand. It was just like I had to do it. And later, because I'll I'll share with you what I learned, which was this friendship, she was so supportive and very validating to me. And I was using her as like every idea I had, everything that I was going to put out into the world, I shared with her first. And so what happens when you as a soul, as a being that's here to evolve, what happens when you want to be your best and higher self? It's like that kind of crutch needs to be taken away. And I realized I was using her friendship and it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I just want to be clear that not everybody has to, this was what my soul, I felt my soul had to do, which was to kind of extract that, that relationship. Like it wasn't serving me anymore. I needed to learn how to do that for myself. 
I needed to know that I can't just run and share something with someone because I'm ah, like, is this okay? You know what I mean? It's almost like the, like a panting dog. Like, is this okay? Can I do this? Can I do this? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's good? Like that validation, I needed to find it within myself. And so when I ended that friendship, it's like, I had to learn how to be my own best friend. I had to learn how to take care of myself in ways that I never, ever imagined, you know, and that, that means that I, and really what I think I was prepping myself or what my soul was prepping me for was to open that door towards my, my soul and my spiritual self, like to really get comfortable in asking for that guidance and to discern knowing if I should, you know, share this or not share that or that kind of stuff, like stop asking everybody's opinion, you know? (laughs) So it was beautiful. It was hard. Um, but it was also essential for me because the next step and the next chapter to this is what I was talking about, which was career and finances. I, again, at that point I was teaching yoga virtually, but I felt tired of teaching yoga. I knew I had so much more to offer. How do I do this? So the first thing I did was I hired a business coach, which I think was the best decision because I needed somebody else from the outside world, from the business perspective to to tell me and to help me kind of extract like, what are my, what are the things that light me up and how can I create an offering and how can I make this a real tangible business? So she really helped me. And, um, and then I started to put out my offerings and I got my first like long-term client, my first three month client, which was so exciting. And then I got another client and then I started to, you know, you start to build confidence in what I'm doing and how I'm teaching and it's working and people are responding really well. And I'm sharing more and more of who I really am on social media. So then I start to notice that. <laughs> Um, I start to believe all these other business coaches or other coaches in the in the game, and and they're talking about how they made this amount of money, and I'm starting to compare. I'm starting to fall into those traps, right? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! I've got to start stop looking at other people and what they're doing and thinking that that's going to work for me. I've got. I know. I know more then I'm able to maybe trust or access. And so I want to know how to develop those tools so that I can access it all the time. And then boom, I got, I stumbled upon my teacher, Brie Melanson's course, which was 10 weeks and it was called Psychic Bootcamp. And my only intention for taking it was to um, be able to access my own higher guidance. Like I wanted to learn how to do that, how to trust that. Like I know many of you who are listening all want to learn how to do that, right? And so I took her course, which literally was the most life-changing course I've ever taken. And then I took another course of hers, which is probably the more (laughs) life-changing, which was called Soul Sculpt, where she taught me how to do belief work. And oh my God, it's just the most life-changing work um, that I've ever done. Anyways, it all started to make sense because as I mentioned, you know, with the Lacey's to be magnetic work, I felt a little bit like I didn't, like I was not vibing so much with that work because it was all about manifestation. And with Bree's work, it was all about, we are all intuitive beings. We came here. We are more soul than we are human. And so 
it's actually our most natural state to trust our higher guidance. We just aren't used to it. It's not as practice. Somehow we get deconditioned, you know, through our lives not to believe it, not to trust ourselves, right? So that's why I say even ending that friendship and both of those friendships, it really got me to deepen my trust within myself and go, okay, I, I know this feeling that I'm feeling and, I, and I'm just going to act on it. I wasn't utilizing my normal coping mechanisms, which is like, let me call this friend. Let me call that person. I was just like really going in and saying to myself, I know I can get through this. So I'm doing breeze work and I'm starting to do the soul readings and I'm expanding my business even more. And then what happens is that Equinox, which is um, the gym that I was working at, decides that they want to open up and they asked me to go back. Now, I had already been back um, during the pandemic when they opened that first summer. It was like maybe five, six months after the shutdown, they decided to open up again and then they closed back down again. And I said to myself, I don't want to go back. Like I want to go all in. Like I was really like, this is the work that I meant to do in the world. I was feeling really alive. And I just felt like I've always dreamed of having a business from my laptop. So that way it gives me the freedom to go anywhere in the world and I can work. You know, I come alive when I get to travel. I don't want to be bound by running to a class to get paid. And in fact, I was getting paid more money than I ever was getting paid teaching yoga classes, you know? So they, they emailed me to come back and I honestly had to think about it because it was like a dangling carrot. It was like, well... Also, Equinox brought me community, so I was opening myself up to more people, exposing myself to potential business people, whatever. Um, so, And also, it was giving me um, a consistency, a consistent paycheck, um, and benefits. And uh, But I said no. And when I said no, I was like, okay, I know that on the other side of this is the future me... <laughs> who's incredibly successful, who's going to look back and be like, that was the best decision I ever made, was just saying no. Then I went even deeper and I put everything in and I said, okay, I'm going to cut back on my yoga classes. I'm only going to offer one every other um, week. I just felt like energetically it didn't align with me anymore. I was like, I am more lit up and excited by doing my coaching and my readings. I don't want, I want teaching yoga to be special. I want to be excited by it, but I don't want to be drained from it like I was. So I cut back on that. Then I went on my email list. And if somebody didn't open my email for a year, I deleted them. (laughs) I deleted like 200 emails. I mean, I started unfollowing a bunch of people that I wasn't vibing with. I just was like, let's get really clear, make it really clear to the universe. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I'm aligning with. And I was just making it super clear. And I think that's a really important element as well. You have to be willing to let a lot of things go. And every little thing matters. There is no such thing as big or small. It all adds up. And the other thing I will say is doing this spiritual work, doing this, the soul readings and really being so connected to the ethereal, essentially, I started to I started to really look at the universe and, and, and the world around me, essentially all working with me. So what I mean by that is 
you know, I started to get into nature. I bought a hammock and it became the best, my savior, because I would lie in the hammock and I would do meditations and I would literally like connect with the trees and I would connect with nature and then birds would come. And for me, birds symbolize, birds really help carry our sorrow. So whenever I was feeling like deep sorrow, birds would come flying by. I would notice like a whole swarm of them. And it's almost like I felt as if they were saying like, can we help you? Can we carry the sorrow for you? And I would say yes. And then I would instantly feel better. So I was using the universe and nature and and all of beautiful nature as all of the elements as my making me feel like I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone. We are not alone in this. So it's interesting how taking away those friendships really opened me up to the world (laughs) and to the trees and to nature and to the ethereal and spirit and me being in constant communication with spirit, you know, and, um, it's beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I feel, you know, I can, I'm never, we are never alone. We just kind of have to turn that switch and really start to trust everything around us. Um, So that leads me to the final kind of piece. I started to realize that I really didn't want to be in LA anymore, but I just didn't know where. So I, I went on a couple of trips. I went to Denver and then I went to Portland trying to think of other ways or other places that I would want to live. Again, I always thought of Paris as being like the most like a fantasy almost like maybe I'll get there, but I don't know. It just felt too hard. So Then I decided once I was vaccinated, once things started to feel like, you know, it was somewhat coming out of this like, you know, pandemic, this lockdown, whatever, although here we are, you know, with this new variant. But anyways, I digress. I decided to book a month in Paris and I was like, wow, I had gotten already a couple more clients. I was getting more readings. Things were really starting to open up. I'm going to go to Paris for a month, see how I feel and then make a decision. Go to Paris have the most incredible month of my life. You know, Paris, it makes me feel so alive. There is a reason why films are based in Paris, why Paris, and there's a reason why all these artists, you know, end up living in Paris at a certain point in their life, like Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet. It's because it's just so beautiful and charming and romantic and the food is amazing. And it's like you're transported in this time that feels like, like heaven. Like if heaven exists on earth to me, that's Paris. (laughs) And I feel like everybody should go to Paris at a certain point in their life because it's just, it's just so dreamy. And I want to be in a place that makes me feel alive alive. So even after that expansive experience that I had in a month, I still came back thinking, I don't know, it just feels too hard. (laughs) I remember coming back to LA and I felt so depressed. It was like I had such a high and then I come back to LA and then it really felt like, oh my God, I don't want to be here. And I, I just didn't know how I was going to move to Paris. It just felt so hard. You know, I was like, oh my God, I have to apply for visas. The things that's the thing that really scared me about it was honestly like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make a living? I was like, I know 
that when I'm here, you know, I have my, I was comfortable, I'm comfortable, you know what I mean? And so I was like, and when you apply for a visa, you basically have to prove that you can support yourself for the full year that you're going to be abroad. And there's a couple different, there's a bunch of different visas that you can apply for. The one I was thinking of applying for was the business visa or the self-employment visa. And that's the one where you have to create a business plan, all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And I was so afraid. Like, what if I get rejected? And this, they're going to tell me that I don't have a real business. You know, I, these are all my fears, but I had to face them. And when I say that I was hiding my finances, for 13 years in New York City, I never signed a lease. I never had to prove or show my finances at all. It was a secret. So when I came here and I moved into this apartment that I'm in now, I actually had to use my dad to co-sign the lease with me because I, at that point, wasn't making enough money to prove that I can afford this rent. I, I can pay my rent, of course, and I've paid it every month, but that was the first time in my life that I've ever had to do that. So it was really scary. And I, my initial feeling was like, I can't do it. I just won't do it. I'll wait. I'll wait until I really am making a lot of money and then I can do it. And then I was like, I, and then something really hit me, which was like, well, wait, wait a second here. Like, what do I, what do I practice what you teach here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, there's another way. Maybe this is about me outing that part of myself that's so ashamed to show my finances. Maybe this is about trusting. I'm not doing this alone. Remember, like I now have this whole new relationship with my higher self source, the divine. Like I am not alone in this. And I know how powerful my co-creative abilities are. We all are that powerful. Maybe it's time now to really put my money where my mouth is, literally, and show and prove and take all the steps to get to a place where I'm like, this is a real business. I can't and will be able to afford to live in Paris. This is the dream that I want. Let's make it happen. And so that's what I did. But it wasn't without a lot of resistance. I... And I didn't even talk about the family guilt that I had. <laughs> oh, this might be another episode, but I had to deal with the guilty feeling of, you know, leaving my parents who are older. My dad just lost his stepmom, my stepmom, excuse me, his wife about six months ago. He had a couple of health things. I was feeling tremendous, like, I can't leave. I'm a terrible daughter. I can't leave. I'd be a terrible sister. Like, you know, all the things that, all the trappings that we, that we have in our minds that our ego is telling us, like, you can't go. You can't live your, the life that you want because you have all these attachments, all these responsibilities. And so I had to work through every single fear and guilt that I had. And I did it with a lot of grace and a lot of patience. I did a lot of crying. <laughs> a lot of breath work. I did so much belief work of clearing beliefs, finding them. Um, and I'm speeding through this process because I want to get to the ending, which is when I got to my visa appointment and I handed over literally a stack of like 50 papers. I had to buy insurance for the year for myself. I had to show three months of all my bank statements. I had to show all of whatever I had money-wise. Um, I showed them literally everything. I had to write letters. What am I planning to do there? Basically, the French government wants to know you're not going to be homeless, that you are going to be okay. And you're not going to be a burden, right? But when I sat there in my car and I was sitting there going, and I was like scared, like, what if I get rejected? I've never done something like this before. It's something I really, really want. And yet 
it felt so like like the unknown, like it was so big. And I was like, could the, could I really make this happen? Because again, I'm going by myself. I'm going with, with just a dream of what I think my life is going to be. And I don't know, it's like the older you get, it feels so much harder for some reason. I don't know why that is, or maybe I can't articulate it, but maybe it's like, you know, when you're a kid or when you're in your twenties, you feel invincible. You feel like, oh, whatever, I'll just move here, do this, take this job, quit this. But, and then it's like you get older and just these decisions become like so heavy because you're like, well, wait, I've got to really think about this. I don't know if I can handle cause, cause you've been through so much more. It wasn't just about this one moment of wanting something so badly. It was every single moment of my life that I wanted something, that I went for it, and I was rejected in the past. For me, I had to work through that. I spent, that. that's what I kept facing. That was the resistance was like, oh, here we go again. You want something bad enough? It's not going to work out just like it hasn't worked out all these other times. And really, when is it not worked out? Because when I look at my past, I look at my music career, or I look at my just whatever I wanted, there was always something positive that came out of it. So we can't approach the moments in our lives carrying that weight or that burden of needing this moment to make up for our past hurts or our past rejections. We have to come clean and say, I am different now. I am different. I am ready for this. And I really came with that energy. And that's what I believe what was so powerful. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I remember sitting in, the ca- in my car before my appointment and I just said, I know I'm not alone. I know that I've done everything that I could to get me to this place. And I fully let go and surrender and give up and give God, like, you know, this is what I desire, but I'm fully willing to surrender my desire for whatever is for the best and the highest here. I've done everything I can, and I know I'm not alone in this. And that was so freeing. I've never felt that before in my life. And then just on Monday, I get my FedEx package and I open it up (laughs) and there it is. I get the, the visa stamped on my passport. And I was like, all right. And I didn't have this like big reaction. I didn't cry. Nothing changed. I was actually cooking breakfast. It was very kind of like, all right, cool. You know? And it wasn't until the next day when I was looking at somebody that I follow in um, Paris on Instagram, I was looking at her stories and she was showing Paris and the store and blah, blah, blah. And I just started crying. And I was like, it started to hit me like, okay, I can, I can let this in now. I can, I can feel the feelings that it is happening and it's, it is exciting. And, and I did this. I, I made this happen. I took all the steps and I really, truly did all of the inner work to get to this place where I'm just not afraid. I'm now excited and I feel inspired and I feel invincible. And I just, I want to share all of this because we think about our dreams as being so far away, but They're meant to feel out of reach because it's going to take some growth and some inner work to kind of get to a place where you feel expansive enough to achieve it, to actually walk through that door and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
So all of our dreams and desires should make us feel scared. Like that's why they're, they exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're meant to follow our fear. We're meant to follow our greatest desires because on the other side of that is who we came here to be. <sighs> so this is a long one, I know. And there's so many more details to all this story, which I'll probably start to pepper in throughout this new season as I make my way to Paris. Um, but I just wanted to give you one full episode of what it took for me to get to this place where I am saying, I'm moving to Paris. I get to live in Paris, this place that I dreamed that I just, it was just a dream and I get to make it happen. And uh, it's possible. Our dreams are possible. Don't let go of them. They're meant to be lived through. They're meant to be, to be realized So I'm going to end this podcast episode with one of my favorite, favorite quotes by Howard Thurman. And he says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Thank you so much for listening. And there's going to be so much more this season. I can't wait to bring it to you as my life unfolds and changes. And I encourage you to share this episode, write a review, share it with a friend, Or even just message me, tell me that you enjoyed this long ass episode. (laughs) And as always, you, you know, feel free to reach out to me and book a session. And I want to support you in any way that I can and have a beautiful, beautiful day. And we will talk soon. Bye.